Welcome to the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Working in the early years is busy, funny, messy and exhausting. Join me, Shana, some of the Twinkle EYFS team, special guest speakers and other early years practitioners as we talk honestly about our experiences. Whether you're listening for CPD, on your commute or to help you relax, Twinkle EYFS will share everything you need to know about all things early years. Hello lovely listeners and welcome to another episode of the Twinkle Talks EYFS podcast. Now the Twinkle Private Early Years team are taking over today and they're going to be talking all about what it's like to have apprentices in earlier settings. Lots of pros and cons. I think it was really interesting to listen to when I was uh, putting this together. So let's get straight to the Private Early Years team. to another episode. My name is Katie. And I'm Charlotte. And I'm Fliss. And I'm Hannah. And in today's episode we're going to talk about is it worth early year settings having apprentices, yes or no, apprentices in your early year settings from experience? Yes, they can bring new new sort of ideas to the setting. We had apprentices who've worked in other jobs before, so people who've come from working I don't know, people who've done their art degree mm-hmm. and then suddenly decided they wanted to work in childcare. So we could really utilise their skills in art and their creative skills. So that was a real advantage for us, that we suddenly had somebody who had all these different skills. No, it's not always the case, but that was really beneficial for us. That's such a good point, Hannah, because whenever I think of apprentices, like I automatically just think of the 16, 17-year-olds that are just finishing secondary school coming in. And you're right, it's actually not just those. An apprentice can be any age, so that's a really good consideration. What about you guys? I had um, quite a few in my preschool room because that just seemed to be the room that they were placed in when they started. Um, I think it was because a lot of their assignments kind of linked to do with the older children and some of them were a bit more difficult to carry out with the babies. So they tended to be put um, with me and then I got given the role of like student mentor (laughs) all of a sudden out of nowhere. But we had some that I think didn't realise how hard it is to work in a nursery. So they would start and then be like, nah, this is not, (laughs) this is not for me. And then you'd get some that would like really get stuck in. And um, we had quite a few that then ended up working in the nursery as a level three practitioner, which was nice because you know you got to see them progress from just starting I think that's one of the reasons a lot of earlier settings actually take on apprentices isn't it because we're currently in the middle of a recruitment crisis which is also a retention crisis so one of the antidotes to that is starting off with apprentices and then sort of nurturing them to carry through when they've finished their apprenticeship because that by that point they're fully established within your setting they know how your setting works, how things go. So that kind of leads in perfectly, which is always great. You see it quite often that like, um, I don't know, I see it on social media when people are introducing the staff members in their setting, uh, like on their page, and they'll say, oh, they started with us from an apprentice and now they're a room leader and stuff like that. So you do see it a lot where they've worked their way up in the nursery as well. Like I'm sure there's many managers out there that started as an apprentice and are now a manager of the same nursery that they did their apprenticeship at. Yeah, I think that's a really nice thing to see because, like I said, not only are they then completely in touch with how that setting works, I think that's just such a good thing for a setting in the sense that they're going to be confident and consistent, hopefully, within the policies. But before we start recording, you had an interesting point, Fliss, about that means that there's also not a variety of experience then for that person. 
I don't know, I've kind of always said it to like other practitioners at my nursery and stuff like that, that from my experience of learning and doing early years at university, I went into a different setting each year for my placement. I didn't ever go back to the same setting. So you got different experiences and like you learnt different ways like not every setting has the same practice and the same pedagogy so yeah you can learn about it in theory but if you're doing an apprenticeship at one setting you're only going to learn their pedagogy like hands-on so I think Mm -hmm. it'd be nice that they could have some sort of like rotation and go and learn a bit in a different setting as well because some ways yeah you look because you are learning on the job it's like that's all you're soaking up that's all you're taking in one settings approach Whereas if you then wanted to move somewhere else, it might be quite difficult. I don't know. I'd say just for the experience wise, I'd say move around a little bit. I think students and apprentices are often placed in settings which are good or outstanding. And so then the practice that they are they are seeing would hopefully be of a good level. But like just said, it's not always that variety. I know some apprentices as they're sort of off the job hours actually maybe went and spent another day in a sister nursery but still a lot of the practice and sort of values would be very similar so yeah I think if you get a, a really good placement a really good setting to do your apprenticeship in, then you're going to get some really good skills but I'm sure there maybe are some settings where you, you certainly wouldn't always see good practice and then that would impact on your skills as a practitioner. One of the nurseries I worked in it wasn't necessarily a chain because it wasn't that big there was only sort of three or four within the nursery group and apprentices they wouldn't necessarily go and work at another setting permanently it would be like on a temporary basis or like they're dipping and out as cover was needed so That was helpful in the fact that they did get to see how other people did things, but actually it's the same setting really, just four different locations. So they did the same things. So I I think it's so interesting that you're right, they don't necessarily get the full range of experience and it's all fun and games learning things. In theory, like for myself, having done a degree, I've learned all about things like that take a much more spontaneous approach to planning, but I just don't have the experience of that myself, which I do find can be quite limiting because until you've done it yourself, you just can't be as confident in it, if you know what I mean. Another thing to consider is when you are a practitioner, an established practitioner in a room, it can feel like extra work for you when an apprentice is added into your setting because you kind of, as you're the one with them every day, you take on board their training. You're not necessarily setting out their assignments, but you are expected to be constantly observing them and making sure that they're doing the correct practice. And when you've got someone who, for example, has done a level two at your setting, the start of their level three, you can be a little bit more relaxed about it. But if this is their first experience of working in an early year setting, they're effectively coming in with zero knowledge and zero experience. And that can be really tricky when you've also got your three babies, four or five toddlers eight preschoolers I don't know if you guys ever had any experiences with that kind of thing yeah I think when I was at well when we were on like really high numbers in preschool and I had the apprentice it was really really hard sometimes to for me to juggle everything because I used to get the staff as well that needed a bit more support put in my room as well so I'd have quite a lot going on at once but I always used to just try and like catch them every so often and have a little chat and just be like, right, is there anything you need to do today? Is there anything you want to do, like any activity wise? Or I'd just be like, are you okay with your assignments? You know, like just kind of make sure I'd not forgot them because I hadn't forgot they were in the room. It's just sometimes it just gets a bit crazy. 
Yeah, we spoke about it so much before. The workload without any additional responsibility of a practitioner is already massive. So I'd say my experience of, uh, of apprentices have been has been quite positive. I don't know, like when I worked in my setting, we an apprentice started pretty much like two weeks before me. And to be honest, like it, she she was just so good, you wouldn't have ever thought she was an apprentice. To be honest, like she just got stuck in with it. But yeah, I can see where sometimes, like I don't know if it's like difference in age. Like she'd already been in like a do it as like a TA before so she kind of like knew how to pick up on like the things that you didn't have to ask about like she'd just naturally do it whereas I guess if sometimes they're coming in from fresh out of school and they've not had necessarily much work experience before the little initiative things you might need to like help them with I don't know so from my experience I've had positive ones but I can see where the workload can get a lot and it was always for the apprentices that were brand new I always found it was the little things that they would, I don't want to say struggle with, but I think it's just the fact that they didn't know. So I remember, and it's so minor, but I remember on the day, it was very much like, oh, we had the apprentice who was mopping the dining room at the end of the day because the ratio had freed up. And I remember the water in the bucket was really dirty and she was halfway through and using that dirty water to mop the rest of it. And that's not a big deal. That's a quick, easy, the rest of us would know to go change that. But then she's 16 and she'd never had to do anything like that before. So that's where we should have been like, actually, we needed to lay it out a little bit clearer because these are their first experiences of doing that. And it's just sometimes remembering that some of these people are actually really young and they don't necessarily have the experience. But at the time, it was quite frustrating because then we had to redo the dining room floor. I think that's where it's really important to have like a good sort of induction and really understand like your apprentice's background. Because I've worked with apprentices who are mums and you know used to juggling their own children and their sort of skills are very different like we said to someone who's left school so mm-hmm. if you can have somebody who can be a mentor and like really work alongside that apprentice in those early days it does then pay off later on like with your mop bucket like if you had someone talking through that which almost seems a bit too simplistic but really go back to basics and it does save a lot of time down the road and you've then got someone who's a really valuable member of your team. Mm-hmm. Another thing sometimes it was a plus sometimes it was a negative it depended on the role you had in the nursery was that one of the settings I worked at the all apprentices started off as sort of just like an extra body in the room and that as they got more stuck into the role and more confident and competent, they were part of the ratio, right? But to start off with, they were all put on half ratios, which was great in the sense that you had this extra body in the room, they were responsible for half the amount of children. So actually, sometimes you'd have two people where you'd normally have one. But then when you're the room leader, and that means they have just a couple of key children, because they're new, who picks up the slack of the rest of those key children. And I found that a lot of the time that would put a lot of pressure on the rest of the staff in the room because you'd all be picking up those extra children and the paperwork and the admin that comes with that. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I mean, one of my apprentices, English wasn't her first language, so she could speak it quite well, but she couldn't write it very well. So obviously her observations didn't read correctly, but I knew you knew what she was trying to say, but they just needed tweaking. So I would have to go through all her observations and things like that, anything she'd written to do with a child, and then redo it. So it was like extra work on top of my own work. But then I used to feel a little bit like put, like I was putting her down, like, you know, because I'm changing her work. And yeah. I think she, she used to feel a little bit like, oh, I'm doing it wrong all the time. But she wasn't. She just, and I used to say to her, what you're putting down is really good. It just needs a little bit of a tweak. But then she got better and better as she kept doing it. So it's just, and it's just knowing how to sometimes speak to them. And if they're quite sensitive or, you know, you've got to say things in a certain way where you don't want to upset them. 
if you can tell that they're really trying as well but they just need that little bit of extra guidance i was just gonna say that there's there's not really any training available for supporting an apprentice like if you're a level three practitioner and you've been working in your room maybe as a room leader you often don't really get any extra training in dealing with and supporting people in a healthcare setting if you take on mentoring a student nurse for example you you generally would go on training about how to do that and how to support their course so that's kind of an area like, like Charlotte said she would get people put on her but you don't always know yourself how best to support them so there's, there's probably a lot more that could be done for earlier settings to support apprentices that was probably actually help with retention um, and having a positive experience. Also in my own experience I have loved having apprentices because a lot of the time they're so fresh and they're so excited and they're there because they want to be there so it's so nice having these fresh ideas in the room and the children would always love to play with them because I always find them that little bit more hands-on because they aren't necessarily bogged down with the same responsibilities that we are so while we're panicking about getting our observations done about getting assessments done talking to this parent adding this onto whatever app actually I found the apprentices were able to focus a lot more on being directly with the children which was really beneficial to the room and because they're fresh they were constantly going out and seeking new things like my apprentices were always coming up to me being like, look at what I found on Pinterest. Can I do this? And I'd be like, yes, please go do a different display for me. I would love that. <laughs> we used to have, um, we had quite a few male apprentices as well throughout the time that I worked there. And the children just used to like love it because they were just around women all the time, usually. And then they get like this male figure in and they used to find that the male apprentices were just really good. Like, I don't think there's enough males in early years, to be honest, but obviously can't do about that. But um, yeah, they used to be really good to work with. And if you if you go way back in the Twinkle Talks EYFS catalogue, you'll be able to find one of the early episodes where Shina talks to some male practitioners and about their experience of working in early years and how there are limited men in early years and the effect that that can have on the children in their care. So you should definitely check that out. So thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, you can find us on a variety of social media channels, including Facebook, Facebook groups, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, YouTube. If that social media platform exists, we're probably on it, but we'll speak to you again soon. Bye. 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 thanks so much private early years team i think that was a really interesting conversation and it's good to know about people's experiences right i mean in schools we have apprentices too and i think they are an absolute godsend <laughs> and you know you've got to start somewhere where else are you going to start learning right anyway you might have seen on our socials that we have had a little change We've had a little branding update and we've got fresh new looks. If you're looking for Twinkle EYFS, we are now called Twinkle Early Years in Schools. And the private nurseries and preschool team is now called the private early years team. Absolutely same great content, same great support that you always get. We just look a little bit different. So until the next episode, I hope you have a great day. Bye. So that's it for today's episode. I hope you really enjoyed it. If you would like to join in or would like to know more, then come and find us on our social media sites. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups, an Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Pinterest, and YouTube. All the links of where to find us will be in our podcast description.
come and join the conversation. And whatever you're doing today, I hope you have a great day.